Welcome to Travel Talk with T. In this time of disconnection, we at PredictX wants to stay as connected as possible. This is why we're inviting key innovators from the business travel industry to have virtual tea with us and to share what they've been up to while travel has been paused. On this, our third in our series, we will be talking to Steve Reynolds, founder and CEO of TripVam. Steve founded TripVam over eight years ago to solve one of the biggest challenges in the marketplace regarding fluctuations with hotel rates. He has built a very successful business supporting the majority of the Fortune 100 companies. We will be discussing the procurement process and the data focus during the recovery phase of COVID-19 and beyond. Welcome to Tea Time. Um, We are doing this series with key innovators in the business travel industry, and you and TripBam are certainly one of the most innovative and influential that we know. So it's great to speak to you today. Yeah, I can speak to you. At least we try to be innovative. Um, not, not sure if we're in the top 50 or not, but, you know, we do what we can. Yeah, well, I respectfully disagree with you. I think that you are. Um, so why don't we start off with just how are you doing um, with everything going on with COVID? Um, how are you doing? How are things going? Yeah, we're actually doing, uh, I think, pretty well considering <clears throat> our, obviously our transaction volume is down, uh, but uh, we're actually hanging in there because we've got a lot of uh, agreements directly with corporations um, where they pay, you know, more on a subscription model than a transaction-based model. So that's keeping our revenue uh, fairly consistent. Obviously, the travel agency revenue is way down because that tends to be more transactional. Uh, we've had to renegotiate deals with clients to give them some relief and so on, you know, through the through the crisis. But um, you know, they're, they're hanging in there. And I guess the silver lining is that because of rate volatility being so high, mm-hmm. uh, we're generating just a lot of savings for the clients. It's just, it feels like almost every booking, it used to be 10 to 15% of the time we'd find savings. You know, we've had some peaks and valleys about 35% of the time, you know, we'll find a lower rate. And so uh, it's just keeping the value there, which keeps the revenue coming and keeps everybody happy. So we're doing all right. Good. So, you know, we call this tea time. So we have to ask the question, what are you drinking? And show us your um, choice of drinking things. So I'm doing tea with an official Trip Bam Yeti mug. And I'm using the Trip Bam teacup, I guess you could say. I mean, I, I did have the Predictex teacup that you guys so kindly sent, but uh, I thought this would be more fun. And I'm drinking the chai tea, I think, uh, out of that set that you sent me. So it's good stuff. Good, good. So for those that are new and that may not know who TripBam is and what you do, could you take just a minute um, to explain? And also, I would certainly preface it by you know I'm a huge fan of rate assurance technology and certainly of TripBam. That um, you know I've been a strong proponent both when I was a buyer, but also when working for Hilton, because yep. I saw its benefit. You know when applied strategically and thoughtfully. But there may be people that may not know what it is you do. So I thought maybe start off there. Yeah. So. Um... Companies, travel agencies, whoever, send us their hotel reservations. We connect up uh, automatically. We've integrated now with about 25 different um, hotel booking sources. 
uh, those feed automatically into our system, and then they tell us how they want them uh, audited. And, and it goes beyond just daily rate shopping, but just to focus on the rate shopping side, uh, most of the time we look for a better rate at the same hotel that meets the very exact criteria for the client. It may have to be the same bed type, the same room type, the same cancel policy. Uh, we've got so many different variables in the system that we kind of walk through and set up, uh, and those can vary by individual department, division, country, however they want to configure it. If we find a lower rate that meets the savings threshold, uh, we then send it to our automatic rebooking solution that then um, rebooks the lower rate automatically. So it's touchless end to end, which is uh, something that we think is pretty unique. Um, from there, we also audit uh, mostly contracted hotel rates to make sure that whether it's static or dynamic, uh, the, the discount's been applied and it's also been applied correctly. Um, you know, there's lots of LRA issues out there and we're kind of doing our part so we can to kind of bring some uh, accountability you know, to those LRA commitments. And then we do benchmarking to see, okay, you've got your discount, but is it any good uh, compared to other companies that have deals with this hotel? Uh, we grade chains and brands through our hotel intelligence product. We fire off alerts to hotels if it, we see things that are kind of out of bounds. Um, we shop other hotels that are nearby if the client wants to try and shift share to preferred properties or away from non-preferreds. And then we just launched a new solution around sourcing, which enables a client to get a deal with a hotel with really just two clicks. Uh, and we believe this could potentially change the way that sourcing is done, you know, for corporate transient travel. So that's it in a nutshell. The one thing, one of the many things I've loved about what your company does is you're able to capture better behavioral insights than any other source. And part of it too is what I call the guilt factor. You know, what is that threshold of when somebody chooses a lower fare? Because mine may be $10 in the same hotels and your may be $30 and, you know, um, 10 miles. Have you noticed um, when you continue to collect this in the, as we were doing the recovery phase and during the crisis phase, any um, behavioral changes or other insights gained based on, on your, you know, program? Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of travel managers are really surprised uh, at uh, sort of traveler behavior when they receive a lower rate offer at a better hotel across the street that could save the company a hundred bucks. You know, the, their initial reaction was, so oh, 80%, you know, will say, okay, or we'll accept it. But in reality, it's more like 20%, 25%. And when we've dug into it, the predominant reason for that is points. Uh, I want to stay at this hotel because I'm trying to get the points and I'm willing to overpay by 10%, 20%, whatever it might be, in order for that to happen. And it just takes, a while for a travel manager to kind of come to the realization that unfortunately, you know, travelers are going to follow the points and, and, and kind of, you know, go for their own self-benefit. It's not their money, so to speak. So there's better ways to implement it so that it goes to either an individual or, you know, we automatically move them and the traveler has to undo it, um, you know, which, uh, which kind of pushes it up, you know, rather significantly. Yeah. One of the most, the two most surprising things though, for me, in doing all this was the lack of awareness of how much a discount a static rate actually provides. 
-hmm. You know, I'm going to give you a rate of 189, and then how much of a discount am I actually getting? Is that 10%, 30%, 20%? And, and it seems like most individuals that have been in the industry forever just had really not much of a sense for what that discount is. And then the other one is how often am I getting it? You know, when we have first got into this, we were seeing the actual application being about 60% of the time, you were getting your static rate. Now, I think we've been able to push that up for our clients to 75 and 80%, but I think for the majority that don't have a solution, it's still sitting around 60%. You know, so I've just, you know, it's kind of a head scratcher to think how the industry could be set up for this long without really knowing, you know, those two things. Because what we're trying to do is help clients transition from static to dynamic. Agreed. I'm a dynamic right. fan all day long, as you know. Right. Um, right. Fixed rates are, are plagued with problems. And this is yet another example as we're going through the current journey where dynamic works. And that's why at Hilton, why I moved the majority of our customers over to dynamic. Because at that point, um, first of all, there were so many, you know, all the benefits, you know, it expands um, how many, how um, often a discount is applied, you know, to it you know, on there, you can better, more effectively measure the value of it. You know, it, I mean, I can go on and on and on with the list of benefits. I am not a fan of fixed, except for in very limited situations, which are where there are high demand, high occupancy situations. If it's yeah. like New York City is an example that I use, that um, sometimes a hybrid will work there where dynamic works in 95% of the other cases. So, what, so in our, our challenge to migrate clients from static to dynamic is we're calculating, let's say, an effective discount of 30% from their static rate. And the hotel is willing to give a dynamic of somewhere around 15. And they don't seem to believe that their static rate is generating 30% in value, even though we don't have a dog in this fight. We just, we're taking the bar rate, we're seeing the rate that's paid, we're taking the difference and it's coming out on average to 30%. So the client's just wanting that equivalent discount as far as a dynamic. And they're like, there's just no way. You well, know, it's we interesting because when I was at HP, the reason I went to dynamic is when you do the analysis is how often are you actually even getting that rate? Right. That, so, that you know, we were like at 50% of times we actually got the rate. Um, yeah. So you combine that along with then how often was the rate lower in the market? Um, how often you go through all these different things of which um, time and time again, it proved that dynamic worked and worked more effectively. So in that case, it's when, and you know, starting from HP and beyond where I became a fan of dynamic pricing and how beneficial it was in particular, I think in the next 18 months, um, Steve, I think that dynamic pricing and TripBam are the perfect partners because more, I, I believe in it normally, but in the next, you know, 18 months where rates will be more volatile than ever before, I think um, it is candidly the only way to go. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the same thing. A lot of our clients are, are ready to jump from static to dynamic, you know, but what they're also looking for is I want to get rid of the annual RFP process. You'll give me a good dynamic discount. I really don't need to sit down and renegotiate this every year, right? Uh, and the second one is what you brought up earlier is just solving that, L that always lingering LRA problem. 
I'm kind of, no seasonality, no blackout dates. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic discount for a reason. Um, we don't need to put in all these restrictions. Uh, no. So it just well, makes life so much easier. And it's interesting, while I was at Hilton, that's why I implemented three-year contracts, dynamic, you know, and took out all of this so that, you know, just like with the airlines, you can monitor where their travel pattern changes or, you know, fluctuations that might warrant an adjustment to your program. But other than that, you know, put them into three-year deals in dynamic, use trip bam and, you know, um, you know, adjust where you need to. Um, but it works. Um, it works. And then you can concentrate far more of your time focusing on managing the program than you are in sourcing it. Yeah. When, you know, a third of your time is spent contracting, it, right. it just doesn't ever yield to effectiveness and you can't concentrate on innovation and candidly consume customer experience. Now, I think, um, you know, a, as you know, I'm a fan of that in the fact that because especially now more than ever, you've uh, taken the lead at helping to uh, provide a central repository of hotels that are not open today. Um, and you know the statistic. Um, I think what you did there was brilliant. And so not only are you going to have the challenges of the safety side of going into a hotel, but um, then balancing out which are open and which are closed at this point. So um, any, anything to add on, on what you're doing on that? Yeah, yeah, no, we're continuing to shop every single day to see if hotels are open or closed and still distributing this report kind of far and wide. What, was, what I found most interesting is we have several chains and brands asking for the report. So they know that their own hotels, you know, are open or closed, which I found kind of shocking. I thought if anything, they should be telling us, but they have some limitations on being able to know that. So we're still going to keep doing it until long as that's value. The good news is we're down to about 6,800 closed hotels from a high of about 35,000. Wow. Uh, in, yeah, in mid-May. So it's, they, a bunch have opened up, um, you know, and we're checking availability um, with every search for, you know, basically a week out, you know, kind of a situation to see, is it available for the typical corporate traveler that wants to book a trip? But they tend to book, you know, probably a week to two weeks in advance. And, um, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's still providing value and it, it's trending in the right direction. What are you hearing from your cu customers about, um, next year do you think are, are you hearing any projections on the amount of travel and you know do you do you have any projections on what you think the the new normal will be you think it'll come back to eventually 75 percent or do you have any we're, think, we're, we're predicting about 80 percent of 2019 is where you'll end up next year mm -hmm. um you'll probably get to that level in the second quarter Whereas the first quarter will probably start out at about 50% and then trend up rather quickly. And then it'll flatten out probably around 80. Uh, and then seasonality adjustments, all that kind of stuff will, will come into play. I just don't see us hitting 2019 levels anytime soon. There's just too many dampers on, on travel. Um, you know, if a vaccine comes out and everybody, it's easily available and everybody gets it. Okay. That's kind of a game changer, right? I don't care. Anymore. And so that's all right quick swing back to whatever we call normal you know but with video conferencing and the adoption of that that's going to kind of keep it down the recession is going to impact a lot of companies and the budgets for travel i mean it's just all kinds of other things besides covid that are going to keep you know this keep us coming from going to that 2019 sort of heyday 100 percent kind of level so 
you and I both are uh, in the data space as well. And the beauty of what I said, some of the information that you collect is very unique. Um, and then your ability which to provide these great insights to the customer. What we do is we aggregate everything. So we have the insights of the total trip to match up with, and, and you're one of the sources that we can aggregate from. But can you talk a little bit more about what you think the role of data is going to be going forward, especially in kind of this um, recovery phase where we have no historical data of which to, to help guide us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think knowing, just using data to make sure your hotel program is trending in the right direction is really important. Because if you can make a couple of changes, you know, let's go renegotiate deals and take whatever we can get or just leave it where it is. And then you're kind of blind if you don't have data to know how that's impacting your spend. So for example, just looking at data right now, we can tell a client, well, most of your hotels in the past were graded at an A or B level. You're getting your discounts and the discounts are good. Now they're mostly decent apps because the market has dropped by 35%. The discount that you had before that was 25, which was good, is no longer good. It's a negative 10. You're overpaying if they book your negotiated rate. So that having some awareness into that helps them drive their strategy and decision going forward. And as we talked about earlier, okay, so what do I do? Well, you can't go static, really because nobody knows what volume is going to be or what the average daily rates are going to look like. And so it's just a big unknown. So even if you accept a static, you got to have a bunch of data to see whether it's actually providing value. And then if you want to go dynamic, you got to make sure that the dynamics getting applied correctly and the discounts are really coming off bar and all that. And LRA is being uh, really uh, like, you know, accounted for. And so that's where the data I think will have the most value going forward is in a dynamic program, uh, just helping you grade these hotels uh, just to have the confidence that that decision you made was the right one and whether you need to shift back. I mean, no one's saying going dynamic, you can't go static later. All we're saying is in a high rate volatility market, which we think we're going to be in for the next two and a half years, if not longer, let's go dynamic now. You'll probably like it long term. And then if for whatever reason things stabilize dramatically and everybody can predict volumes and ADR, then maybe you slide back to static if you can get even more of a discount as a result. Um, and, and again, I, I think data and benchmarking and analytics, you know, it's just really going to give travel managers the confidence to make those decisions. Yeah, it's interesting. We never had a customer um, r remove themselves from dynamic because once, oh, really? yeah. but yeah. you know, the interesting thing too, is, you know, when you're talking about the whole dynamic, not all hotels dynamic, the same. So I always tell people be careful because one may give a higher discount level and it sounds more attractive, but you've got to be careful because not all bars are the same. Right. Of course, we're not going to do any bar jokes about drinking and anything else. You know, I'm talking <laughs> about not. Well, I think that's, that's part of the value we provide is we capture, we call it the lowest qualified rate. In a lot of cases, it is the, it's the bar. It's the best available rate that's out there. And, and you can have confidence that it's consistent across all the brands and the chains, whatever. So everybody's graded the same. Right. To your point, though, we do see hotels that they have one called a corporate rate, now the other standard rate or whatever. And you just it, trying to back into how they're calculating these discounts can be really tough. So we just kind of said, look, okay, we're not going to care. We're just going to grab the rate the traveler would have paid if they had stayed at that hotel without a discount compared against what you paid, and that's the discount that we're going to measure again. So you should have gotten 20%. You've only got 15. There's something wrong. 
Um, and that, that seems to be working really well. Yeah, I, I had just noticed, you know, that one would discount, the discount number would be here and another chain would be here. But uh, they, they look like they're different, but in actuality, the one who was discounting this number was a better value. So you got to be careful because not all, all bars are not the same. Well, um, that and, and LRA. I mean, if you get this, you have this great discount, but you only get it half the time, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to accommodate for that. So we really spent a lot of time figuring out an effective discount and make sure it's applied you know, fairly across all the different hotels. I, I think using COVID as a, a way to think differently is kind of the silver lining, at least for us in all this, is that if without COVID, we just status quo, we would have kept doing what we're doing and uh, uh, not a whole lot of change. But because of COVID, we've had to take a step back, rethink the value that we're providing to the industry. And I think it's giving travel managers a chance to rethink how they procure hotels. And look, just try something new. The old model's broke. Just sitting on your hands for the next year and a half is not going to work. So here's something new to try, which we think is fairly low risk. It's no cost. And we believe it'll provide a lot more value over the next two to three years. And it seems to be resonating pretty well. We've had a lot of chain conversations. We've met with IHG, Hilton, Marriott, Radisson, and so on. And all of them have been very receptive to it. Just like your point at Hilton, you know, if this is what it takes to get clients to transition to dynamic, you know, we're all in. Uh, the challenge for them is we have nobody available to negotiate. So whatever it is, it's got to be very consistent, very easy. You know, I just check a box and 100 deals get done. So we're working with the chains to make that happen. And I think we've got some pretty good solutions there. So anyway, I mean, I, I'm, I think when we look back two or three years from now at the COVID period, I know that personally, I'll look back and think, you know, that was a net positive for our company. Uh, and all the good things that happened from it. Yeah, it was scary because we thought, holy crap, you know, we could be out of business if this thing lasts forever. But 2020 hindsight, we're already seeing a recovery. Things are bouncing back. And the end result is I think we're a much better company and providing more value to our clients. Yeah, it's interesting. We're seeing the same thing. You know, we're not a transactionally driven commercial model. And we're finding our customers and certainly our, our pipeline represents that. Um, people are looking to data more than ever and they they need kind of a trusted source of, of you know a third party that can provide that form and it's aggregated state um, and that's why we've been doing very well we've been growing we've been hiring so it's we're gonna look back I think very similar to what you have well Steve as always I, I enjoy every conversation I ever have with you <laughs> every single debate every time you and I get together, but, and I personally appreciate you taking the time to do this, you know, for, um, for me and for PredictX, but, um, truly from the heart, um, I cannot thank you enough. No, no. Thanks for giving the opportunity just to sit down and chat with you and thanks for the teacup. Greatly appreciated. And if there's anything we can do for PredictX, you know, don't, don't hesitate to ask. You know, we're, we're happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. I know that. And, um, you know, I think that we could be, we will and continue to be good partners. You know, all we do is supplement what you do from a total perspective, but um, we just aggregate it all where you're at the front lines of it. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I look at the difference is, you know, we're very deep into hotel. You know, that's really all we do and all we focus on. You guys are a much wider perspective on the holistic travel program. 
you know, we're all about your hotel program and that's it. So um, they're very complimentary arts and services. You know, if we can help feed some data to you guys to help give that broad perspective of who people value, um, you know, happy to do it.